Welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today again is my co-host, John Bristow. How you doing, John? I'm well, thanks. How's everyone else doing out there? Uh, weather here is nice, finally. Uh, once again, after weeks of rain uh, down here in the basement of the world known as Australia. But uh, yeah, I'm well. <laughs> and you're headed into winter now, right? You're That's right. You're your fall months. That's right. It only drops, uh, you know, maybe three or four degrees. So uh, not too bad. Yeah, not not much of a winter. Huh? No, no, not, not like the the frigid north. I'm I'm not that far north, but we're we're at uh, we're, we had some snow this week. So mm. I like to call Australia. I like to call Australia. Um, it's like life on hard mode with no saves. I think I made that joke before, <laughs> but uh, basically, yeah, we're either on fire or flooded or hurricanes or whatnot. It's really fun. Have, come down, bring the kids, you know, enjoy yourself down here. Everything either is venomous, poisonous, or um, yeah, it's, it's just a really interesting place to live. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah. Sounds like it's always a challenge. Always. Uh, so we've got some news topics to talk about this week, and uh, we've been collecting some some articles uh throughout the last few days here. Uh, this one's a little bit uh, older from the beginning of February, uh, but uh, we just started the show, so we haven't had a lot of coverage on uh, the web platforms, uh, the frameworks yet. Um, and Angular has released version 9. Mm. Uh, it, Project Ivy is finally ready to go, and I know that's a big deal, and uh, people are already probably tinkering with it, trying it out, but I just want to kind of talk about some of the the hot topic pieces of it because I, I haven't tu- I haven't touched Angular in quite a while. Right. And one thing that I noticed when I was reading through uh, some of the updates is it fixed a lot of the reasons why I didn't use it. And what, what would be uh, some of those reasons? <laughs> uh, personal so, reasons? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, not, not so much personal reasons, but uh, for example, some of the debugging has gotten a lot better. Mm. That was one of my biggest complaints about Angular and a lot of the JavaScript fra- frameworks in general, but um, Angular always annoyed me with the debugging experience. Um, the, um, the build errors and uh, compile errors and things have gotten a lot better in this version, apparently. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's just kind of a highlight of it. So there's uh, smaller bundle sizes, um, faster and better unit testing. Um, there's a lot of improvements around type checking, like I said, build errors, AOT is on by default, better internationalization. Um, depending on what, how big your application is, uh, the bundle sizes have uh, greatly, greatly dropped. So small apps, you're seeing maybe a 30% decrease in bundle size. Mm-hmm. Uh, lar- big, large-scale apps, you might see up to 40% of a bundle size drop. Uh, so that's always good news. Um, you know, some of these uh, Angular apps can get quite large. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that always helps. And they did that by improving the uh, tree shaking um, that, that's involved with uh, Angular applications. It, so it generates a lot less code in the final product. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, um, I've been excited to see Ivy come out. Um, so for those who aren't aware, Ivy's been, <clears throat> excuse me, Ivy's been under development for quite a while now. And uh, version 9, uh, which is just shipped, uh, basically provides it by default. And it's been under development, gosh, from what I remember since like the Angular 6 days with the renderer. Um, so a lot of us have been waiting for this for a while and offers a lot of great improvements. Um, my experience with Angular to date has been relatively positive. I, I see it more as a means to an end, but um, it's really the combination of Angular plus TypeScript that I've found uh, provides a winning solution for me. Um, Ivy, to me, I think is going to provide some uh, great development time uh, experiences going forward. You mentioned the you know the better debugging, et cetera. That's always going to be uh, something worthwhile for developers. But I think mm-hmm. more so than that, I think Ivy is going to help um, in sort of the runtime performance, um, especially when you consider like some of these apps can get so big, uh, the bundles themselves, um, being able to have smaller bundle sizes um, and improvements on the runtime aspects of, of the lang- or the framework rather, um, and the runtime experience around what you're building is going to be a, 
a big help, I think, but it's been a long time coming. And so uh, I think that's nothing but goodness for Angular developers out there. To, to that end around the, deba the debugging side of things, um, I think it's a combination of, of not only Angular sometimes in the past, but also TypeScript itself. Like if things go bad uh, in the TypeScript world, um, you know, uh, they're usually at compile time. At runtime, it, it can be kind of interesting if you get if you get errors at that time. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I found that generally speaking, um, you know, TypeScript helps a, a great deal. Uh, the real culprit, I think, though, in all of this is Webpack. That's when things go really, really, really south. Um, when Webpack gets a hold of your code <laughs> and decides to do what it wants with it, and you get errors at runtime, uh, good luck trying to figure out the stack trace. Uh, yeah. Sometimes. Um, so people have probably heard this rant if you've met me or ever talked to me ever. Um, I had uh, an Angular app that I was working on that just mysteriously stopped working one day. Mm. And the error was something like... Uh, document undefined you know some ridiculous like obscure error that that means absolutely nothing you sure. google it there's like a billion different reasons for that yeah um and it all came down to webpack seeing something in a css file that it interpreted as code tried to run it and just failed yeah so it's like uh, why is a style sheet causing a runtime error uh because javascript and webpack yeah, but to be and, fair, I mean they're they're not they're not alone in that, right? I mean, we've all experienced that frustration in other languages and other frameworks. There's frustrating things that happen, but sure. um, there there's a certain amount of frustration with uh, a style sheet, hmm. something that does not have a runtime component to it, causing a runtime error. Um, that, in my opinion, is unacceptable. I just hmm. I gave up at that point. I think that was about the last time I touched uh, Webpack and Angular for quite a while. Um, thankfully the .NET stuff's coming along and we've got Blazor and, uh, that's given me something else to work with. And in, in the meantime, but, uh, with that said, it, some of these things are getting fixed now. And, yeah. um, for example, like, uh, we were talking about, you know, these runtime errors, looking at, uh, some of the overview stuff here right now, um, from the Ivy release. And they're showing some of those errors that I was talking about that don't really mean anything. Right. Um, like uh, this one's like uh, custom element uh, something dot schema. Uh, you know, it just is. It's a message that doesn't really mean anything. And then mm -hmm. it's throwing the error from the root router because it, you know, it's just bubbled it all the way up the chain into the to the last component it's got. Right. Right. It throws the error there. Uh, so with IV um, or Angular nine, um, it's actually pointing to not only the component, but it, it even gives you the file that it failed in. Uh, so that message is now, you know, the component failed at this line and it gives right. you the component and it says, uh, you know, this is template such and such dot HTML. You can go find the error there yep. and go fix it. Uh, that is a way better developer experience to me. And that alone gives me hope to try it again sometime if, uh, if I'm asked to work on an Angular project. You know, having done computer science for a while, I, it's got to be hard to be one of those people working on uh, sort of like a compiler and runtime engine because the state of what you've generated when, when doing sort of the um, aspects of providing those facilities through a, through a compiler and runtime like Ivy, um, the state of your code after you've gotten your hands on it is so different than what the original intention was or what the original code looked like, that to try and go back and then give some hints to the developer when an error occurs, I can only imagine mm -hmm. how much how much work you have to do from just a, you know, from a, I'm just thinking about all the sort of nuances you have to incorporate, like, hey, if we start doing this sort of optimization, we got to track what that actually originally represented as so that when we do a stack trace, we can give more meaningful information to the developer. Like there must be so much bookkeeping that goes on by a compiler team so that they can then report after the fact, Hey, your code broke. We're not surprised it broke and here's where it broke and here's why it broke that it's just, it's like almost a, it's almost a feature onto itself because I know how many transitions and transformations that you have to go through when doing a compiler, because if you think about it, most most developers when they when they read about compilers, they're they want they want my code to go they want code to go faster, go faster, please, and make my code more resilient and more robust. 
but the thing that often gets overlooked, I would suspect by compiler teams is like, hey, also help me when things go south. So they have to track all of that information and report back on it. I, I, I'm trying to be a little bit empathetic to their, their plight, so to speak, uh, regarding, you know, providing that information. So it's a hard problem. Yeah, and it looks like it's come a long way. It's um, like I said, it's reporting like down to the file and everything, which is amazing. Right. Uh, that's the kind of experience that you'd expect from modern tooling. Um, and you know they're overcoming other things. Uh, you know they're working with JavaScript under the hood, so that's mm. a dynamic, dynamic language, and that's that makes things even harder to find those errors and report them correctly. Uh, so it looks like problem solved, um, <laughs> and that is. That's a relief and it's an improvement. Um, there's also some other really good stuff in uh, the release, uh, faster unit testing. So that's the tests. It looks like it's doing a diff on the um, on the compile. So it's not going to compile the components that weren't sure, touched. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's only going to recompile things that have changed. And uh, that's sped up the process by about 50%. That's always nice to have. Um, there's some other really cool stuff in here too that only Google could pull off. Um, so with Angular being a Google product, uh, there is uh, there are two new components in Angular 9 that are very Google component related. Mm. Uh, so there is a YouTube player component and a Google Maps component. Right. And those things abstract away the APIs that are underneath of those utilities so you don't have to learn all that stuff uh, but what's nice is you know Angular's a google product and so are these so they can integrate tightly like that yeah i mean to be fair i mean i've written a youtube player component in angular and in uh react it's not that hard i mean there's a pretty good api for it but uh yeah good on them for providing those and i think uh going forward we'll see um you know some good adoption around this YouTube may not be the more impressive of the two here. I think Google Maps <laughs> is more the one that would give you a little bit of a learning curve. Right, uh, right. Displaying markers and and uh, Layers adding interactivity. And, yeah, with, all that with, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all built in. So you, you can just declare a mapping component and bind data to it or something. It's... Uh, it's neat that they're they're able to bake in stuff like that. So yeah, the YouTube Player one is easy because you just you just modify a URL string and it injects um, the player directly in line. So it's not a it's not a hard thing to do. Um, so let's see what else do we have on our agenda here today. Um, this this is an article that I thought was pretty uh, pretty interesting. This is a new one. Um, UX personas a definitive guide. Uh, so this this came out um, on UserBit, uh, mm -hmm. and this is an interesting article because I've seen personas a lot in marketing. Sure. So this is where you have kind of like a it's like a baseball card for for example, and it's you know this is the user and this is the demographics and um, they're a you know. A grade school teacher from middle America, and mm -hmm. these are their, this is the way they might uh, um, be interested in purchasing a product. That's usually how I see these type of things. Yeah, I've used uh, them in agile development uh, before, but I guess this is from a UX perspective. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So this is from a UX perspective. So when you're, you're building your features for your application, you can kind of look at a set of these uh, playing cards and and uh, kind of build features around the needs of these fictitious, um, you know, inspired by real people, but fictitious mm -hmm. uh, personas. Um, so I, I thought this was a really good idea, actually, uh, okay. is having these these type of things because uh, a lot of times we build software, um, we're kind of building it for our, ourselves. I've seen a lot of products like this. Um, where you, you know, you kind of dive into it and, um, I've seen so many that are built by engineers for engineers and that is not their end goal. <laughs> if you get my idea, like, sure. Yeah. The, these are, these are consumer applications and you open them up and you're like, yeah, I understand what needs to go in this filter box because I've written filtering code before, yep. but 
the average person is just going to look for, you know, built-in cookie cutter. I want to click a drop-down box and pick a selection out of it. I don't, I don't want to have to type in like pseudo SQL query in this thing to figure out what I need to do. Um, and I think this helps avoid that type of stuff because you can, you can set up some features and give it personas and say, build the features that people lawsuit. need. Um, and then you can have, you know, you could have uh, personas that include uh, accessibility needs and things. Uh, so I think this is a really good idea. Have you seen any um, any use cases like uh, you said you used it with Agile before? I got to be honest here. Uh, when it comes to UX, I am not the right person to talk to. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I hear music run in my head when people start talking about this stuff. This is way, way, way beyond me. Uh, I'm, I just care about pixels getting onto the screen. And I, I leverage frameworks to do all the uh, heavy lifting to make me look good. Uh, I think this is great. I think if people find that this is a better way to represent the types of target audiences that you're going after, um, I, I mean, again, this, some of this is a little bit beyond me, but um, if, you're, if you're utilizing this in an effective manner and you're using it consistently, I don't see any any reason why you shouldn't do this uh, across applications to make better experiences. Yeah, I'll have to talk to some of our teams here and see what they're using. I know they have they have criteria. I don't know if they mm -hmm. have personas exactly right. like this. Right. Um, but you know, I, you can imagine if you're you're building one of these uh, UI frameworks like we have at Progress Teller, uh, where you know I have a stepwise, you know, wizard component I have to build. Um, it would be helpful to, you know, you're building that component to look over at a sheet and see, you know, these, these three different personas I have to build for. And you might have one that has to navigate this thing by keyboard or right. Uh, maybe somebody can't see visually what step they're on. So you need to make sure the screen reader is picking that up. Right. Um, or you know, there's just these these different ways people interact uh, with with the the PC, um, you know, touch uh, touch devices and all that type of stuff. So yeah, this is kind of cool. I like this idea. I'm, sure, sure. I just find it really hard. That's 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 the thing that I find about it is just really hard because I think what a lot of people do, and I'm guilty of this as anyone, is that you try and create a UI, one UI to rule them all. And then you try and bolt on features that maybe everyone can use, like touch or whatever. And I think that there may be a need to go to a different level, which is designing it for the individual more than just the, uh, I guess, the, the type of input that they're using. Yeah, I think this tries to help with that, actually, though. this uh, mm -hmm. I was just using that as an example, but there's other other factors in this like i like one of the one of the key features they have here is uh, a category called frustrations <laughs> like what <laughs> what frustrates this person um, the software <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh sharing app data without consent uh there's like these are some of the things they've listed okay. um i was thinking of something a little bit more genetic generic excuse me like books with rings on their fingers like it's a big pet peeve of mine sorry this is a bit of a tangent but you ever watch those cooking shows where people are like kneading dough and they show they always show that overhead projector and it's guy it's like guy fieri is that his name i don't know the guy with the the, the weird hair he's always got like 10 rings on his fingers and i i find that to be really off-putting because i'm like you okay i know those rings are dirty i know you may have washed your hands but those rings are certainly dirty so that's one of my sort of frustrations, I guess. I, are we talking about something here that's a little bit different, I guess? I, I think this might be a little different. Okay. If, uh, <laughs> maybe if, if these personas were to restaurant customers, maybe. Ah, uh, there you go. Help. Yeah. Uh, so frustrations is you, you know, wears too many rings while making meatballs. Yes. Might apply to a restaurant. Uh, okay. I don't think that matters so much to my, my Your software? dialogue. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would imagine not. Uh, no, I, I've seen this myself. I'm, I've had family members type Google into Google.com. And uh, I, you know, oh, yeah. so we've got, we've got a hard problem here. We've got to try and provide, I, I mean, I, I sympathize also with companies like Telerik and other ones that make UI controls. It's a hard problem. People don't understand what these things mean. What is a drop down list? What is an accordion control, etc. 
what is what does this mean you know to a, to a person who doesn't use computers all that often it's hard i like i like one of these um they have another category called pain points and one of the um the list items is too much effort right. that is my pet peeve um with software too much effort uh that's one that that i'm always beating up on our own products is if there's a process that takes too many steps um there's there's going to be a better way to do it uh one of my uh usual sayings is if it requires a flow chart you're doing it wrong yeah <laughs> yeah the the whole the whole type in your address again if different from your billing address I even address inputs, I think, are frustrating enough. Like sometimes they just don't make sense. I do like the ones, I have to say, I do like the ones where it auto completes to Google addresses. I don't know if you've seen that before, but they give you an address field. It's one field. And as you start typing, it sends your, your text to Google and then gives you a, a printout of what Google thinks the address is. And so it qualifies it basically. And then you click on it and then it puts it in. The text field so there's no separate what's your because sometimes people live in different places like oh I, i'm not in an apartment i'm in a shop and that's represented differently on an address form but even that is hard because i've seen people who have their head down and it's like stick handling with their head down on the ice right like they're not looking up to see what's around them and people start typing it's like when people type in the address bar and it's auto completing exactly what you want and you want to say something. You want to be like, dude, it's right there. Like, just click. There. Oh, just stop typing. Look up. And <laughs> it's it's going to be pretty frustrating. So, you know, even as a user, um, I've been guilty of that myself. But I, it's it's a hard problem. These are hard problems. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like this one. I need a... I need some kind of inspirational, like, poster with too much effort on it. Like that. Right. That one is my absolute... Like a demotivator. Well, it's not that it's, it's the opposite. Like, uh, when we're, when we're making stuff, if, if I install a product and I have to then do other steps to make it work, mm. that's too much effort. Like it needs to just work. Like it needs to work the first time. Uh, sure. and you're, you're going to see some of that stuff, uh, come into, uh, some of the things we build. Um, I'll give you a good example. We've got, um, we've got a product, uh, several of them actually, that uh, you install it and then you have to get dependencies uh, through like sure. NuGet Package Manager. Right, right. Um, these things are, you know, it's commercial software. So you have to have a login to get to the NuGet repository. It's not on a public feed. Yep. Uh, these are, are they're licensed uh, pieces of software. So um, that, that to me is a barrier though. You know, you already ran an installer. So why do I now have to go register a NuGet feed to get my dependencies? Uh, it's a bit of a pain point. Too much effort, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So in our in our next generation of installers, those things will add NuGet feeds for you, uh, and you will then just go into Visual Studio and it just works. Uh, so that's something I've heard that before, and, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it just works. I promise. Works on my yeah. machine anyway. Right. Um, but, uh, taking, taking those steps out of our processes is something I've been focused on. Okay. Um, another one is, you know, you get, uh, you know, you get your file new project and it's up and running and now you've bought, um, our, our UI components and you want to add those to your project. Right. You got to open uh, a file and add the dependencies and, uh, add your CSS and, um, register a service. Uh, why not just run a command line tool or click a menu button that does all that for you and uh, that's something else that we've got coming down the pipe dude you know how many so. people are like yelling into their into their podcast devices right like oh you got to do it this way like that's that's <laughs> like the old way of doing it just losing their minds over this you know oh uh, yeah you got you got to run the the nine um npm install scripts and then sure. uh, manually tweak the flux capacitors and and uh you know tune the johnson rods you know sure sure i'm amazed Otherwise... this, all this stuff works i'm just still amazed <laughs> as a, i you know I, I frequently have i have conversations with friends who aren't in the tech field and i just i just look at them like you know a lot of this stuff just kind of hangs together like it just we you know we're not we're not we're not the doesn't just because we're in software and you know people look at what we do as magical doesn't mean like we're any smarter than any of you like we're just figuring this stuff out as we go too. you know, we're, we're putting a lot of effort into it as well, but 
sometimes, you know, software sucks and, you know, we've got, we're trying our best. Um, but sometimes it just, it just hangs together by magic, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, I, 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 you know, as far as the deployment and the UX and all that sort of stuff, yeah, there's definitely a lot of improvements that can, that can happen. Yeah, so I think I'm getting off on a personal tangent. So, uh, oh, it's okay. Uh, UX personas, I I give it a thumbs up. All right. Um, this is something that's going to be very shareable. I'm going to send this to everybody I know. Make them sweet, do it. sweet. <laughs> Enforce my opinions on them. No, just kidding. Uh, th- this looks like some good stuff. I think people could benefit from. And uh, right, looks like something I want to invest some more time in learning about. So mm. that that's uh, a good article there. Um, you've got some stuff here that you've, uh, shared with me, John. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've got, go obviously in terms of news, uh, top of mind for a lot of folks is the coronavirus. Uh, and I, I'd be remiss by not mentioning it, but you know, one of the, one of the roles I have at, at my job is to, you know, sponsor events, et cetera. And, um, unfortunately, and for good reasons, um, you know, some events are, are being canceled. Other events mm-hmm. are kind of in that sort of wait and see mode. Uh, I know that countries like Switzerland recently put a ban on events exceeding a thousand people. I think with France, it's five thousand people, etc. Certain schools are closed, etc. So um, countries are rightfully taking the necessary steps to try and contain um, the spread. And from a tech perspective, obviously, we're in the height of conference season. I mean, there's two main. I think points uh, in in the calendar uh, where conferences spike right now and uh, in the fall. So springtime in North America, also known as fall in the southern uh, southern hemisphere, um, those are very very busy times for conferences right now. Uh, and obviously, as I said, in September. So uh, we'll have to kind of keep an eye on it uh, and see how things go. Uh, hopefully, you know, anyone listening to this isn't too badly affected by conference cancellations, etc. No, that's for a good reason. These things don't often happen, and we need to make sure that we keep on it. Um, but it is something worth noting. Yeah, this is uh, unfortunately too topical. So it is uh, time of recording is March 2nd. Um, it is March 2nd, 2020, Monday. Um, it is about 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And uh, there's a lot of news coming out today about the uh, the coronavirus, and it's uh, it's actually just uh, just at this moment the MVP summit has been canceled. So mm. the Microsoft MVP summit was just canceled. Uh, just watching that come across the twitters right now. Right. Uh, so if you're not familiar, that's a a big um, event from Microsoft every year where all of the Microsoft MVPs, these are community influencers, uh, people of the Microsoft communities that have been uh, given an award for their participation with the community. Uh, We all get together at the Microsoft campus and learn about uh, what the latest um, tech is coming out of Microsoft. And uh, we get to talk to the engineers and uh, the people that work there and program managers. And it's a really good networking opportunity. And unfortunately, that's being canceled and put into yep. an online status. So we'll be yeah, it's a good, it's the right move. It's a good move. Yeah, we're gonna attend something online. I don't know what yet. It's like I said, mm-hmm. this just happened like literally two minutes ago. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll see what that's all about. But I think it's a good call. Um, yeah. I'm kind of a, a history nerd. I read up on a lot of history stuff. And, mm. uh, if you look back on the um what, what was called the spanish flu uh th- there was a lot of public gatherings that were not canceled um a- around those times and they attribute a lot of uh a lot of the spread of that uh, right. to these events that people mm-hmm. were just you know ignoring the symptoms that were out there and, and getting together at these uh, rallies and whatnot and um yeah it looks like we're gonna have a lot more cancellations in the near future yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's the right move. Uh, I think, though, as as a sort of aside, I've read online people have been saying actually this is probably uh, going to be the catalyst to getting more online conferences going. I know that a lot of people have concerns about travel and um, how flying on planes, etc., to go attend a, a week long event uh, contributes to climate change, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm totally 
Uh, I'm fully aware of people's concerns around that. I would also argue that face-to-face -face is great to make, you know, relationships, et cetera. But, you know, maybe this is the thing that pushes us towards more virtual conferences and online conferences. I mean, we have the technology, um, the webcams, the, the connections, the, the microphones, et cetera. Um, maybe this is the thing that kind of is the catalyst to pushing us over the edge to having a lot more virtual conferences. I know that Microsoft's done this with, um, uh, they have a few virtual conferences, but maybe this is the thing that the MVP Summit might, might take on uh, because they are going to do an online only version of the MVP summit. Maybe, maybe they'll look at this and say, you know what, this is actually great. I, I totally hear you though, Ed, on wanting to connect with the engineering teams, et cetera. It's always a benefit, but maybe this is the thing that uh, helps facilitate that. Yeah. So this is uh, kind of maybe a, a tangent, uh, but uh, I, I like to follow like uh, futurist type stuff. Right. Uh, so there's these folks that have made, um, their careers off of uh, like predicting the future and uh, sharing ideas about what they think the future is going to be like. And I, I can't mm. remember this gentleman's name off the top of my head, but uh, he was, he did this work like in the seventies. Um, oh gosh. I'm trying to remember what this guy's name is. Um, he's, he's got some like prototype, like um, uh, communities he's built and stuff back in the day. And uh, you see, like, a lot of the plastic, like, bubble housing and stuff like that. Sure, and sure. And one thing that I thought was really interesting about these, you know, predictions of what his future society would look like in, in the cities he was planning, um, where he, he had these, um, he had these uh, concentric circles, like, the the cities were built in the, you know, this hub and spoke style. And at the hub, the very center of it was this educational center where, quote, all of the great minds would come and present topics for the massive audience of the city to come watch. And I was like, um, and, you know, it's really hard to think of these futuristic things with the current context. Uh, but do we need a giant conference center <laughs> to meet, to have a meetings of the minds when we have the, internet. we have that, we have that. It's called second life, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding of course, but you know, yeah, the it's internet's, the internet's great for that. Yeah, that's right. It's called, it's called, uh, whatever, yeah, whatever the kids play these days, Fortnite. I don't know. Yeah. It was a little bit of a surprise that we, like you said, we haven't done as much online meeting as we, we have the possibility to do. And we're worried about, uh, green technology and uh, you know the amount of sure, carbon sure. footprint of uh, sure, travel sure. and everybody's yep. still flying around to see one another. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's you know there there may be something that comes out of this that uh, like you said brings us more to online events. Um, but it just kind of triggered a memory of me looking at that 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 picture of his uh, his theoretical perfect city of the future, and I was like, that sure, one, that one seems out of place to me, like. <laughs> Now I that I have, I saw those commercials too. Yeah. Fifty years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, you know, I can look at it and go, "Yeah, everybody probably be wearing like a Hololens instead, and sitting in their pajamas in their home." Sure. <laughs> while they listen, I'm, to I'm the all grid. for. Hey, dude, I'm I'm all for the projection, a la Star Wars. Um, and for <laughs> some reason, despite the fact, I've always wondered about this. It's it's hilarious to me. Despite the fact that it's a digital signal, it almost comes in as analog in the movie, right? Like they've got the guy and it's like, our, our intermission, our transmission's being interrupted. And then it kind of like phases out like it's an analog, like radio signal. I'm like, dude, it's digital. Like it's either on or it's off. Like it's like, I don't, I don't, they use these old like 1940s-esque sort of, uh, you know, interruptions in a, in a futuristic Star Wars setting. But I'm, I'd be in all for, uh, yeah, I'd all, I'd all be for uh, a 3D projection. That'd be kind of cool. I know that, I know yeah. that Scott Hanselman had his, um, he had that sort of Roomba slash iPad Franken build thing that he created to have a virtual presence. Yeah. So he had this virtual <laughs> presence robot where people could just get a portal. Basically, he had basically a Skype call open all day where people could just talk to him. It was like putting, putting a head in into uh into someone's office like hey scott you there blah 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 and then you could have a conversation so yeah maybe we'll get there who knows 
Yeah, I always find find that type of stuff fascinating. Um, the the virus thing, unfortunate, is very unfortunate right now. We're at the right. very early part of this thing. Yep. Uh, hopefully, it can get uh, isolated as much as possible and not yep. uh, cause too much impact. I, I think um, you know I, I'm not any kind of intim- um, what do you call it disease person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah. As far as, jeez, um, I'm having one of those. Emptor, I can't pronounce it either, but I know what you're saying. I know what word you're looking for. I'm not. I'm too lazy to Google it. I, yeah. I know. I'm epidemiologist. There we go. There you go. Jeez, hey. uh, I kept stuttering. Everyone's screaming. Everyone's screaming at their I podcast know. devices right now. They're like, "Dude, we all know what you mean." I'm not an epidemiologist by any means. I think the the concern right now is not so much the quote deadly deadliness of the virus, uh, but more the fact that it's it's a new thing and we don't sure. know, or we don't know how to you know we don't know how to predict what it's going to do for one. Nope. But nope. There's no immunity to it, and when you don't have immunity to something like that and it spreads. Sure. What you end up sure. with is an influx of people at the hospital. Yep. And uh, you can overwhelm your your facilities very easily with all the brand new sick people. So the people that, that need some immediate help may not get the help they need because of just the the massive amount of people that's just plugging up the system. Yeah, so we're seeing that. That's what we need to avoid. Yeah, we're seeing a little anything. bit of that. Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of that panic buying down here in Australia. People are, I've, I've seen it on the news, people are buying masks. I don't know why, but toilet paper, toilet paper of all things, people are buying toilet paper. I'm like, dude, if, if the, the apocalypse comes, toilet paper is going to be the last thing you're going to be worrying about, you know? Um, but I guess toilet paper is a big thing to get now. So you're seeing these big lines at Costco. Everyone's got toilet paper. So uh, hand sanitizer, despite the fact that it's a virus, you know, but, you know, uh, that's antibacterial. People are buying antibacterial. I, just wash your hands. You're like just good hand sanit- uh, sanitation. Um, just mm-hmm. make sure you keep your hand washing up. Uh, if you need, if you get sick, make sure you don't go to school or you go to work, etc. I mean, just yeah, follow follow good guidance, I guess, from our officials, etc. Um, I'm not I'm not a health person by any any means, uh, knowing what I'm talking about, but that's what I've read. And I'm like, yep, that's what I'll I'll stick to. So, yeah, so apparently, the hand sanitizers do work on this. Uh, from from what I've been seeing, uh, but that's anti you know, like said, antimicrobial or whatever it is. I guess. God, yeah, I sound uh, so stupid right now. It's like everyone's just like everyone's rolling their eyes as they're the, listening to this. The outer layers of this thing are are easily broken down by that the alcohol right. in it. Um, okay. So, it looks like those do work. But like I said, I think you know not having these events uh, that kind of tie this back together. Not sure, having sure. These events kind of helps uh mitigate the um the uh kind of like outbreak mentality where you know you travel to an event and then you come home and you spread it and then yep. all of a sudden yep. your hometown that hospital's overwhelmed um, yeah and if you don't have everyone getting sick simultaneously then you can you can target the people that are in need better than uh, if everybody is is in the streets screaming that they need help, um, yep. it's a lot harder to find out who really needs it the most. And yep. I think that's what we're trying to avoid. And not it's not so much trying to scare people; it's trying to avoid that worst case scenario. Yeah, um, you know, it's not not like one of the, it's not like a virus you catch and it's a death sentence. Uh, but in mass, uh, the confusion can be a death sentence for people that. Uh, already have some health issues. And- yeah, I I would say that we should probably stick to the shallow end of the pool of our knowledge here, bud. I mean, we're, we're, we, yeah. don't, we don't have any knowledge of this sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, it's just interesting in that context with uh, with conferences. Yep, we, you know, we want to keep these things to a minimum so people are canceling some stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah, sorry uh, about the I'll- MVP summit. I know you wanted to go to that. Yeah, um, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully, sure. hopefully we'll have one next year and all this stuff will be behind us and we can talk about how much of a non-event it was. Right. That's, uh, that's the best case scenario, right? Mm. Uh, so speaking of viruses and bugs, uh, we've got a 
leap leap day bug. We can yeah. we can make a segue there, right? Yeah, that's a that's a good way to do it. Um, so obviously leap leap years occur every once every four years. Uh, we had a leap day this year uh, in 2020, February 29th. And what's interesting about this is it's similar to other date bugs that you see creep up. Uh, the Y2K bug, obviously being the probably one of the most notable. Uh, so yeah, with leap day, um, you know, obviously causes some issues with software. And there's been some lists been posted online of people just tracking these sorts of things. So, for example, uh, Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 crashed on the first character select screen due to an issue with February 29th being the date. So there's little things like that. And then there's like massive infrastructure problems that uh, that can occur from time to time as well. So um, just interesting to see those bugs creep up. Some of them have to do, obviously, with, um, you know, infrastructure, which is important. Uh, but in other cases, it can be related to very trivial sort of, you know, character select screens. Um, and so these bugs are obviously interesting. And I think it's important that as a developer, when you're looking at utilizing a date time library that you think about, you know, does it have the ability to support these sort of edge cases? And I know that John Skeet's work, uh, written extensively about this, about the sort of libraries that are out there. Uh, he's written extensively about uh, the fact that uh, even in .NET, uh, the date time uh, capabilities are not fully localized or able to handle certain cases uh, that exist. And it's a hard problem. Again, just like UX, uh, dates and times are extremely hard problems. And so um, it, it also has to do with a variety of other things like time zones, et cetera. But these sort of edge cases around uh, leap years, um, re representing dates in certain ways, like you've got just the last two digits, for example, representing the, the year and you get rollovers, et cetera. Um, even times themselves can be uh, challenging when you have legislation that goes into effect to change time zones, et cetera. So it's a hard problem. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a few things in software that I will never touch. Uh, security is one of those. Um, you don't ever write your own security software unless that's that's your job <laughs> and then uh dates and times is another one like i'm not sure. gonna roll my own date and time system um i'm gonna look to smarter people for that uh fortunately dot net's got a pretty good one out of the box um uh, you said there was there's some issue with it though Did you say yeah was... john john skeet's written extensively about how there's some kind of like these um he he so has written he's written uh well he's got a library called Noda time and um, he's written extensively about why he's he's written it, and sometimes he's he's written uh, blog posts around some of the issues regarding uh, the date time uh, integration in .NET, and said that there's problems even with that. Um, there's these sort of like dark secrets in uh, in in that that library of the framework that uh, people only stumble upon if they have certain cases. And oftentimes it's those extreme cases that, or edge cases that cause the, the biggest headaches. Cause you think about it, you're just sitting there and you just take like, why wouldn't this work? You're just sitting there as a developer going through, you know, the, the bug that's been reported by a customer. And it's usually some esoteric thing. Like, yeah, I tried to log in and it didn't work. And you're like, well, why? And then you're thinking like, is the network down or did someone do a check-in, et cetera, et cetera. And then no, it's, it, you trace it all the way back. It's like, no, the person hit the site at like midnight on February 29th. Um, and it just so happened that we did a comparison for rendering the page, God knows why. Uh, and that caused a problem. And so it's one of those really weird edge cases, but that's where those things can really matter, especially when dealing with things like money or transactions or, you know, delete operations, certificates, yeah. all those, yeah. all those really important, uh, this has to happen like atomically, it either happens or it doesn't. It has to happen, and the user expects it to happen. And we cannot report that it has happened when it hasn't. For example, like transferring of money. I can only imagine the amount of edge cases that people have to inspect that write bank software, for example. But this is the sort of cases that I, I, I use the trivial case of you know hitting a website. But when it comes to software, there are a lot of things that can and will go wrong if you don't do checks appropriately. And sometimes depending, depending upon what you're doing, uh, dates and times can be very important, which is why you try and represent them uh, differently than say, you know, 
day, month, year. You may want to do it in a different manner, like like they do in Unix, the number of, I think it's seconds since 1970, for example. So, yeah. Yeah, the other, the other go-to one is um, uh, Moment.js. Right. That I can think of. Like, that's the other yep. off-the-shelf one. You know, it has to be hard to patch these things, too, if you do find a oh, bug. Oh, God, yes, I mean, yes. You probably don't want to change these time time related the, the headaches often. the headaches i can only imagine you know and then deciding how you store these things as well right like mm -hmm. like serializing these and putting them in a database like how do we do that you know and i know that people are probably saying oh there's a right way to do it and i'm i i fully respect that but sometimes it can cause problems right especially when you're doing a calculation like if you store it in seconds let's take the example let's say you decide the best way to represent it is the number of seconds since 1970 okay but in your calculation code, you don't you don't account for leap years, for example. Um, then that can be a problem, right? It can it can cause issues. So, you you know what though? You know what always works? Envar car two fifty five. Just, <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You know it. I know it. <laughs> That's right, Envar car. <laughs> <laughs> two five five, and then you're done. You can go home. Sure. Ship it. Sure. Ship it. Yeah. It's Friday. Yeah. Get it out there go home <laughs> yeah i always i always thought it was you know I, you, you see envar car you're like all right this person clearly wants an end to the text that's going to be in this column but the the real respect the mad respect goes to the developer or or dba who chooses text or end text and just says you know what we're going to put a lot of text in here that's what i want you know oh, you know and then, you can do json now yeah i know it's 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 it's, it's crazy what yeah it's it's awesome but uh, the amount of the amount of respect you get from someone who chooses that schema type and says, "Yep, that's right. We're we're going to go with a <laughs> massive column here," you know. And I I don't know what the upper limit is, but I remember reading the docs back in the day for SQL Server and other other databases, and they're like, theoretically, it depends on how much memory you have and all that. But this thing can get pretty big. I'm like, oh, good. This is all I need, you know. Pulling this thing down from from you know in the middle, uh, you know, with my framework, my measly framework that I decided to code up when I'm in my, you know. Just, just fresh out of high school or university, trying to write my code, trying to pull this thing down. Sorry, I'm getting off a way tangent here. <laughs> Sorry, that's the but topic yeah. of the show today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So date random, times, random facts. Yeah, date, date times, <laughs> they're hard. I used, you know, you can't see the air quotes around facts right now either. So right, you know, hey, people will probably enjoy it anyway, or mm. or they'll just have something to rant about. Right. <laughs> Speaking of ranting about things. Um, I saw this this article about uh, somebody that stuck their laptop on the uh, seat back on right. a Delta flight, right? And uh, you know, there. I don't know if you if you haven't been on a Delta flight, so the the seat back on those has like a little bit of a lip where the tray comes out, and if you nestle your laptop in there just right, it it fits that nice little space until somebody reclines. Uh, right. Apparently, they can recline enough quick enough that it will just shatter your screen sure your i've been here i've been in that situation uh, dude yeah shattered a laptop so this or just close this person got yeah no this person so okay so just to, just to re recap this person's laptop was damaged correct oh yeah there's multiple like once the twitter twitterverse caught a hold of it it was like yeah me too i've had this happen here's right, the right. pics from my my machine busted. okay yeah it happens i've been in a situation where uh I've anticipated the chair going back. I don't know what it is. You get this sixth sense if you travel a lot that someone's going to about to recline. And oh, so yeah. I've, yeah. I've I've pulled my, and it, you know, I mean, this is on me. I've got my massive MacBook Pro, 15 inch, 16 inch, whatever. Uh, and I'm trying my best to do that. I've got like a yoga pose, warrior one sort of pose going on in my seat, trying to look at the screen of this thing because I'm at such a steep angle. Uh, but you can anticipate when someone's going to recline. And so you pull it out at the last second, right before, you know, the, I guess, what do you would call it? Like, it's like that scene out of Star Wars, again, with Star Wars, where the Rancor gets crushed. You know, its neck gets kind of, <laughs> Luke, throws the, Luke throws, it's Return of the Jedi, he throws the rock, and then the, 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 the ceiling thing comes down, and it crushes the Rancor. That's like your laptop, right? So uh, I've, I've luckily escaped that. Uh, that's why I've recently switched to an iPad for travel. So I have my iPad with the keyboard thing, great form factor, fits really well on the uh, tray table, doesn't have too steep of an incline. Uh, I don't know about that dude who was um, punching the seat, 
did you see that on American Airlines? He was trying oh, to watch yeah. his phone. Like this is a this is this. Uh, yep, yeah, it's kind of related. But this guy was his expectation was I'm in the last row and I'm gonna punch this seat in front of me. I don't know why, but he's like, I'll punch this seat in front of me, and because I want to watch my iPhone uh, movie. I'm like, eh, all right, whatever, dude. Like, but yeah, I, I think I think if you're gonna be in if you're gonna be in the last row or any row for that matter. Uh, you got to keep your wits about you, I think, because obviously for a laptop, these things are expensive. You got to be careful. So, uh, but definitely get a smaller device if you can. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. So um, I've had flights where I've uh, unfortunately picked the last seat right. and it doesn't recline and you got like the right. bathroom behind you. Uh, yep. This happened to me on an international flight. It was like, oh, good. Uh, I think it was like nine hours. Right. So I was trapped in this hell for nine hours where my I was in the corner by the window, mm-hmm. couldn't recline. And then the person in front of me reclined. So now I've got like this person pretty much in my face and I can't get away from them. Um, and I remember dropping my earbuds and I just tried to like squat down to get the earbuds and like smash my face against the back of the seat immediately and then I realized, oh yeah, I'm I'm not getting these. So I ended up having to take my sunglasses off, um, and like, you know, fold one side up and leave the other side open, and like make like a hook system out of it. <laughs> so like reach down with my fingertips and like hook. Oh, my so you MacGyver? You you did a MacGyver maneuver? Gotcha. Yeah, and then like I got them up, and then I dropped something else, and I just remember like cursing out loud. And that's awesome. Over. And there was like a little old lady sitting next to me, and I was oh, like, "Oh, I know, man! I, I just dropped like a major f bomb in front of uh, in front of somebody's grandmother." I know I you feel really, so bad. Really bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I looked over and I said, <laughs> "I said, I, I said, I'm sorry. This is just really frustrating." And yeah. She yeah. she looked back at me and she goes, "Yeah, I know. This is." <laughs> she dropped the <laughs> couple swear words herself. <laughs> Ex- expletive. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was, I was like so happy. <laughs> She's, yeah. Not only normal, but very cool. <laughs> yeah. So look, if you're if you're a tech, if you're yeah, if you're a tech person, uh, and you're wanting to crush some code or do whatever, delete email, whatever it is you want to do on a plane, just know that if you're seated in one of the rear rows back there, it gets a little it gets a little tight. And Ed and I have traveled quite extensively. Uh, my recommendation to you is get a, a secondary device if you can. Now, I, I totally respect the fact that not everyone can afford that. That's fine. Just be aware of the fact that seats do recline and will. If I guess it's like it's like the traveler's law. If a seat can recline, it will. So you can have these mm-hmm. like axioms and stuff. Um, and just but having a secondary device like an iPad is great. Um, I use my phone quite a bit on on planes, and I you know I, I travel mostly internationally because of where I'm located. Uh, my expectation is that there's no internet and I actually get really productive on planes. I think that's a kind of a, a nice little hack, life hack, if you will. If you want to get some, if you want to get through a hard problem or do some slides or really focus, go on a flight. I mean, it's a great, because the internet's disconnected. Uh, there's no one bothering you. Uh, you know, you can just sit and focus, uh, but definitely try and get a secondary device. I would recommend an iPad uh, with that kickstand thing, maybe a Surface. Uh, possibly if you're into that, that's great. Um, yeah, one of those would be great. <clears throat> My recommendation is first of all, go to seatguru.com and find yes. out if your seat is not going to be reclining. Uh, right. because the worst thing is if you, if you're stuck in the back and you cannot recline and the person mm. in front of you does, yeah, uh, that is just the worst, especially if you're on a long haul. Uh, I think I was on a United plane. Uh, maybe it wasn't United exactly. I think it was um, Austrian Airlines. Okay. And, and you know they're in United affiliate, uh, but man, those seats were already close. And mm. then that being in the last seat, and then having somebody recline on top of you, like I could smell their hair the whole flight type of thing. I oh, mean, that's it good. was that is uncomfortably close. Sure. Um, that's no fun. Uh, nope. so avoid those seats. Step one, step two, get a laptop under, th- uh, 13 inches or less, uh, that anything bigger is going to get caught in the seat in front of you. Mm. Um, it just, it's going to sit up too high. Uh, my surface is uh 15 inch, uh, surface okay. book too big. pro. 
Yeah, too big. Uh, or Surface Book 2, I mean. And uh, yeah, if I open it up and I try to rest it against the seat in front of me, then if the person even so much as sneezes, they're going to tap my power button and turn right. my screen off. Yep. Uh, worst case is they back the seat up like this other person and crack my screen. Right, so right. I, I just don't, I put it to where that can't happen. Uh, and then I T-Rex type. Uh, so that's, that is what it is. Type. Uh, yeah, I've picked, I picked the, the model that I thought would be small enough and I was off by a few inches. Okay. Um, I actually had a 19 inch before this. So why, why would you even think, think you could get away with that in, in, a, in an airplane? 19 inch. Um, I want to fact check myself here because it's, it was, would you have like an alienware sort of gaming rig going like, yeah, yeah. So I gotta was, play War. Uh, I've gotta Adele, play Warcraft. A Dell M thirty eight hundred. I yeah. think is what. All right, it was. you deserve Maybe. to get your. You deserve to get whatever comes to you. <laughs> bringing that thing on the plane. Or seventeen inch. Seventeen. Please inch tell me it was nineteen. Those things are so big. Um, I am trying, trying to to check here, because you can't buy them anymore. I'm trying to look through some archives. Yeah, there's a good reason that. for that. People hated them. <laughs> They're like, I'm breaking my back in, here. Looks like they came in 15 and 17. So I think it was a full yeah. 17 inch. But the um, thing was like two inches thick, dude. Like it was massive. And you'd oh carry these things. The, you'd the carry these brick. things around. You, Yeah, you'd look you'd look like an ant carrying food when you carry this thing around at a conference, you know? <laughs> the power brick on this thing was gigantic. Like uh, it, I could never plug it in on a plane because they didn't support the... Uh, the the power amperage like, yeah it's no wonder you drain the whole plane by the time we landed yeah so that that was a no-go um so it was like a metallic red yeah 17 inch yeah just keep it at home Dell keep it at home you, you can be <laughs> m6400 precision 17 yeah. inch yeah i think it was massive um yeah. it was it was an amazing machine uh, but I remember getting on a plane with it and, and you can feel free to make fun of me. You probably will anyway. I will give you full permission. Um, I, already have. I, I unfolded this thing and I propped, uh, I think I put a book underneath of it and then set the mouse underneath the machine so I could use the mouse. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying here? I created like a 3d vertical space beneath the, the, laptop that was already gigantic and put a mouse underneath the laptop and then played games during the flight because <laughs> it had because it could because I, right. I think i was um uh i think i was playing um oh uh what, what is that game called bioshock on the plane if i if i knew you and i was in front of you i would purposely <laughs> recline constantly just back and forth back oh sorry sorry it's oh yeah it's the drink service right i gotta go forward you know and then climb back and i'm just getting comfy you know yeah, you deserve you deserve situation. you deserve you deserve to get made fun of for bringing that thing on a plane dude it no was excuse one of those situations where it's like climbing a mountain because it's there like uh i put god i'm trying to remember what i put underneath of it i put something that was I had a small mouse, but I made enough room that my hand and the mouse would fit underneath Ugh. and I could still have a full mousing experience with the laptop balanced on top of the book or whatever it was. And uh, I played through like half of Bioshock, like from here to Seattle. It was awesome. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, I did get a little motion sick at one point, but okay. I powered through it because that's what we do. That's right. That's what we do. Uh, and it was hot. I remember that too. Like I probably, I was probably not being very. Dude, are you looking nice. for sympathy right now? Because you're not getting any from me. You brought a massive laptop onto a airplane. Okay, no yeah. sympathy. Yeah, I th I feel bad now for any seatmates I had because they were probably sweating. Yeah. From the ten. Yeah, you had the or two. What is it? Four point four gig uh, gigawatts. Like. <laughs> Whatever we needed to like uh, travel, if we we hit eighty eight miles an hour, the plane would have gone, sure, back to the future type of thing. Yeah, I, I I don't like people like you. Okay, I just give you this look, like why are you on this plane? Go by train. Punch the back of my drive. seat. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. No, no, I'm not. I'll never do that. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> come on, 
Come on, you got the money to afford this thing. You can at least buy a phone or just use mm-hmm. your phone. Like your work is unless you're the president, your work is not that important that you have to get it wasn't stuck work. on that I was thing. Playing video games. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly my I point. Playing, I was playing Bioshock. I know. Did you not follow the story? <laughs> I know. I know, no. It's no just I'm just saying done. in general. I know. That's that's always the case. That's always mm-hmm. the case with these things. People are just I like, am, what are they doing? They're thumbing through their iTunes library, you know? The worst. I just sent you the specs on that bad boy. You can take yeah, I, I, I'm not going to even look. I'm not going to look at that link because I don't want it. I don't want a laptop that big. Thank you. Uh, I mean, it was it was nice. It was all aluminum. <laughs> weighed about 25 pounds. Yeah, exactly. What was that scene out of Flintstones where they, they put the ribs on the side of the car and the whole car falls over? That's your laptop. <laughs> That's the exact scene that you're 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 painting for me right now. Uh, this is so true, though. I mean. I, I probably looked okay. I, I'm gonna not say probably. I looked ridiculous playing games. On yes, it, but I was having fun. That's right. all that mattered at that time. <laughs> I was having fun. I was on a flight. And this is why passengers are revolting. This is why people punch seats. I guess I don't know. Because <laughs> of people I've like seen you, bigger. How about that? I've actually okay. seen people people with bigger laptops. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, there are pe- there are pictures online. You can look on on Twitter, for example. God, I love Twitter for this. You can look on Twitter where people have posted photos of, I think, I think a guy had like an external hard drive mount next to his laptop, next to a, you know, a glowing mouse. uh, And he just had a whole game system going. And I think my comment was, it's his world. The rest of us are just living in it because he was just taking it to a whole other level. So there used to be a Dell laptop and I can't remember which one it is, but the entire hinge was a giant handle. Because oh, sure. this thing was so massive. Yep. And it wasn't yep. like a, it wasn't a long time ago. This wasn't like, you know, oh, it was 1980 no. and you know, we needed the CRT screen or whatever. This was not, you know, maybe 10 years ago. Sure. Uh, it had an LCD screen anyway, but I think it was like a 20 inch or something. Yeah. Uh, maybe They're just ridiculous. I was thinking of, but it was. Yeah, like they have this. the pull out. Uh, do you see the one with the pull out screen? Uh, the one to give you a secondary screen and you pulled it out like, oh, yeah. like, like, a, like a film projector screen sort of thing just ridiculous so stupid anyway yeah i remember seeing that guy with the the hinge one and i was like Mm -hmm. man that's a nice laptop i wish i had that (laughs) just get it just get a desktop what are you doing you know you can't take the desktop on the plane i don't care leave it at leave it at home (laughs) leave it at home get a nice desktop you'll spend half the money and then buy an ipad and you're done and go on a plane like a gentleman don't bother anyone don't no, don't do the Flintstone. The, the, the seat's going to tip over because of your giant laptop now. Oh, I'm Mr. Big and yeah. important. I have to play whatever game it is I need to play sort of thing. Just go on the plane like a gentleman. Be nice. Break out your iPad. Imagine, lead email. You know, whatever it is you have to do. Can you imagine that plane landing in the pilot being like, yeah, I think we need to get this checked. Like there was a, there was like a, a skew to the... <laughs> To one side the whole flight i know either that or like wow <laughs> our batteries against it <laughs> yeah our bat are like or yeah our batteries are really being drawn like out a lot like we're gonna have to really you know check with engineering when we land you know something wrong with the rudder on this thing kept steering sure. kept steering hard I had yeah so steer the whole time my arm is so, sore <laughs> so just just as a psa just buy a desktop then get an ipad it's going to be the same price and you're going to be you're going to be thankful. Your back will thank you and the people in front of you will thank you or behind you in that matter. I just I want to know what what am I supposed to do for um gaming now on a wait. On a... Just wait. You're not your life is your gaming isn't that important. You can you can go without. This is what I say to my kids. Just wait. You'll be fine. Nothing will happen. The new BioShock, John. The new BioShock. No one cares. No one cares. I don't care. No. All right. What Just what wait. I need next is I need, I'll, I'll be the guy with the VR goggles. Yeah, I'm exactly. Playing. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah, bumping awesome. into my neighbor. Yeah, perfect. Elbows perfect. You're just walking around the walking around the fuselage. <laughs> oh, look at me! You know, playing the latest and greatest. Everyone's just looking at you like, why? You know, just oh, wait. Man. Go home. You know, go into your office and then play comfortably. You know, but when you're on the airplane, you got to respect the space. So get an iPad or a phone or whatever, or do nothing. Just like, sit out. Look out the window. It's amazing, right? It's amazing view and you get to see all the like we we've only been flying for like about about 100 years like all of human history we've, <laughs> you know and we're the first humans who are just like yeah this is this is boring i'm like Ugh. i feel like louis ck oh. right now with that bit that he does but 
It's true. It's true. You know, your life is, yeah. look, your games are not that important. Look, I'm on a bit of a rant here, but you can wait. All right. I'll, I'll be playing Half-Life, uh, whatever it's called, Alex, on, on the plane with eating my real-life onion sandwich. Right, right. right. Oh, that's good. Just making friends everywhere I go. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. This we is why so I hate to fly. Topic, this is why I hate to fly, because of people like you. <laughs> oh, man. I have got some horror stories I probably can't even air, so. Right. Yeah. They're, 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 I, I'm saying this in fun, but the, you know there are some real winners out there uh there are people that do not believe in deodorant and showers and okay, uh, I okay. think we've all probably related <laughs> to that at some point um so yeah lack of uh needing the air travel for a while probably won't be a bad thing right um yeah it looks uh looks like there's just uh lots of people chiming in on the mvp summit and uh oh, dogs barking there you go that's a good place to end it i guess yeah let's uh even the dogs are complaining now and then then we'll close it out see if that worked okay i think i think they're done somebody came all right Uh, but anyway uh so air travel is fun buy buy something light travel easy don't game don't eat onion sandwiches um everybody stay safe and wash your hands yep uh any any parting words john nope uh just uh yeah same i think you i think you took it dude uh that those are good words good advice all right man take it easy until next time Peace.